Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Talking Disney Classics podcast and the show where we love to talk about the Disney canon and uh, Disney films. It's so much fun. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner. Stanford's here. Hey, Rachel. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Really stoked to talk about our topic today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because we, of course, did individual episodes on the uh, Disney canon films, but there were a couple that we kind of, for whatever reason, we grouped together. It just seemed to make the most sense at the time. Uh, we, you know, we grouped the Latin America films and and uh, we grouped uh, the the ones we're talking about today. Uh, well, well, the one one we're talking about today uh, and a couple others uh, we did. Um, What's the one that we did with Brother Bear? I can't even remember. It was we... Tarzan, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, you're right. Because it was the Phil <laughs> Phil Collins uh, right. movies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we, that's just how we decided to do it at the time. And, uh, you know, now we're on, uh, what are we on now? Like uh, episode 80 or something, 80 something. Yeah. That, uh, that we have some breathing room. <laughs> And we're so excited because this uh, this uh, revival theater uh, in American Fork has opened. And uh, let's see. So we're on actually episode. Oh, we're on episode 88. Okay. Nice. Yeah. yeah it was in the 80s somewhere, but okay. Yeah. 88. That's amazing. Wow, oh, my Rachel, gosh. I can't amazing. believe it's there. I can't either. <laughs> so great. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, um, so there's this theater called the Maven Cinemas in American Fork. It just opened in October, so they're pretty new. And they took this little theater that uh, was Sticky Shoes Theater to a two-screen theater. And they renovated it, and uh, they are open it to revival films. And in particular, they, they do show some newer things, like that Godzilla Minus One recently, things like that. But... But uh, they their main thrust is showing these these older films, and the the lineups that they have. I mean, I could just live there. I could just bunker down. Oh, I could go there. Yeah, I know, like four nights a week. Yeah, you know, really it's it's they do the best job with their programming. I've been so mm-hmm. impressed. Yeah, and it's everything from Jackie Chan you know martial arts movies to uh silent films to anime to everything to in Jack- between. they've been showing like they showed the seven samurai you know they're mm-hmm. like, like going classics calamity jane with doris day yes. playing this week i'm so excited for and that are you go i i'm so i i couldn't make working out my schedule i was so bummed but uh, uh but uh yeah i'm gonna try cool. to see it on this yeah. the day after i get back from my trip uh, okay on the six but uh, but let's talk about some of the ones that we've seen there. Uh, so I have had the chance. I saw uh, last year, I saw Christmas in Connecticut. And that was really fun because not only do I love that film, but I saw it the same day that I saw the Christmas in Connecticut uh, oh, play yeah. at Pioneer How Theater fun. Company. Yes. So that was fun. And then I saw Muppet Christmas Carol. And that was obviously a blast. I love that movie. And uh, the only thing is they had advertised it as a sing-along and they didn't have the words. Oh, but so I kind of wish that it had the words. Yeah. I had to have my phone out to have the words. To have the words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if, if they are listening, that's only 
you know, feedback I would give, but, uh, but that was obviously wonderful. And then, and it's not only do they have these revival films, they have revival trailers too, which is so fun. I know that's so much fun to see those, those, you know, (laughs) old school trailers for movies that are coming to the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Coming to the theater, and uh, and then I saw the Phantom of the Opera on uh, New Year's night, and that was really fun. It's not like the best movie in the world, but it has like a fun spectacle, I think, for New Year's. And everybody, oh, it's a great had, New Year's movie, yeah, yeah. Everybody dressed up. I had on my fancy dress. We had masquerades, masks, and then we all together rang in the New Year. And it was, and, the, and it was the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, yes. right? That's the one with yes. Jared yeah. Butler and. Emmy Rossum, yeah. Yeah, they had Labyrinth playing on one screen and they had Phantom of the Opera. Oh, nice. <laughs> I forgot about the Labyrinth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So fun. I picked Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it fun. was it was just fun. I was really worried that nobody would come because Sunday, it was Sunday night, New Year's Eve this year. And I thought, oh, Utah County, is anybody going to come? But uh, so I went and there was a nice little crowd there. So I was, I was happy about that. And nice to have somebody to ring in the, the New Year with and uh, in a fun way yeah yeah so that was great and then i saw how to train your dragon which is so good holds up totally well i've um, seen on the big screen what a treat yes and uh then we saw beauty and the beast together yes yes and i'll i will always take it even i just saw it in august i will always take a chance oh yeah same i would see it in august and i i I'd see it you know and i yeah. if i had the option i mean i just could go anytime yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then I saw 2001: A Space Odyssey, which was a great experience to see. Have you seen that on the big screen before? No, I never have. Oh, okay. Never have. I saw it at the Turner Classic Movie Film Festival one year on the big screen, mm. and, and uh, or no, or some kind of re-release. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's it's a cool experience. Yeah, yeah, it was really. I mean, you really feel the immersion and yeah. how well the the visual effects hold up is it's very impressive. Yeah. So that was cool. And uh, then I saw the general, uh, which is an Buster incredible. Keaton? Yes, Buster Keaton, and that is an incredible film. I mean, the the stunts are just oh, still they're unbelievable. I bet that was so cool to see that on the big screen to too. Yeah, some of the best ever, if not the best ever. I mean, it's so impressive what he does with those trains. Oh, it's unbelievable! <laughs> yeah. And then and then again to see and digital prints. That mm-hmm. they, you know, that they showed mm-hmm. me. So in the area, you know, just looks and sounds fantastic. Mm-hmm. I thought I think mm-hmm. they put it in a very nice sound system. Yeah, they did. I've been in, I've been in, in really each did. auditorium, and mm-hmm. uh, I think they're both equally great. Yeah, yeah. And I saw the rescuers, which is what we're talking about. That's today. what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so you've seen a lot more things than I've seen there. I but my my inaugural experience was on a Saturday. Where they showed um, all three of the original Star Wars trilogy oh my gosh. films, and heaven, you know, it was like movie heaven. I was so <sighs> happy. Uh, mm-hmm. It was so much fun, you know. Yeah. And, and they had a pretty good crowd. I mean, That's it, you good. Know, it, it, it kind of varied show to show, but um, still, I, I, I was impressed with the turnout. That's good. Yeah, and I, then I've know, been trying these... to go. I've been trying to go every week. That's my goal. They yeah, really want to support them. Good and what goal. I doing. really want to support them too. Mm-hmm. You know, I try, always try to buy some refreshments. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> and, and thank them profusely because they're there, they're working. You know, it's a husband yeah. and wife team and they couldn't be nicer. And then, um, and then, you know, stop eating the beast. 
and uh and then of course uh the rescuers yeah yeah so, and i'm going to, and i'm going this weekend too right oh, i'm gonna cool. see that's what i'm seeing the the uh, aristocats oh fun and then also they're doing hairspray sing-along Oh, but now I'm worried if, they, if they're not going to have the words. But yeah, I'll, you should you message know. them and say, hey, Rachel, <laughs> elbowed me. <laughs> they didn't have yeah. the words. <laughs> like, please, because I believe that there is a print of hairspray that yeah. has the words on it. Yeah. If I'm not, I don't think I've ever seen it, but I thought I remember that, you know, mm-hmm. being. Yeah, if being, they're going to advertise uh, this thing in, then you really need to have the words. You do. You, you do. really do. Yeah. So, but, um, but yeah, the rescuers, you know, it's, it, it's really interesting because obviously we've talked about this a lot on this show because it's a favorite of yours and not a favorite of mine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and in fact, I thought you were such a good sport to even be willing to go, Rachel. <laughs> good to see it again. Well, you know, I I will go and see almost any Disney film on the big screen if I get the chance. Yeah. Uh, even one that I don't care for as much. Uh, I don't know. I just like to... I'd like to see, I'd like to see all of them on the big screen if I could. Mm-hmm. And I had, in fairness, I had seen it in um when I was a little girl, which is part of the reason why I didn't like it. Um, I saw it in the re-release in '89. Uh huh. And yeah, I was. I just thought that I just thought it was really scary at the time, and I thought Medusa was very scary, and what they did to Penny and making her go in that cave was very scary. And I just, so I didn't like it in 1989. And uh, it's hard when you have kind of those experiences as a little child, you know, like it's hard to kind of uh, not keep that, you know, through. There's the same thing with Return to Oz. Like, I don't think I'll ever like love that movie because it was yeah. so scary to me as a kid. Yeah. You know, um, but, uh, but I have to say, so I went into, I, when I went into watch this, I, was really trying to like look at it from Stanford's perspective. <laughs> you see, and uh, I I did appreciate it more seeing it on the big screen. And I I kind of was joking that I think this is my uh, Star Wars prequels moment because there's a lot of people now after seeing the Star Wars sequels that they're like, oh, the Star Wars prequels aren't that bad, right? Yeah. And uh, and yeah. Uh, and I'm not one of those people when it comes to prequels, but uh, but. I think this is kind of a somewhat similar experience because watching, having just seen wish and being so underwhelmed by that and strange world, not too far behind. And so many of the other offerings from Disney, uh, this, uh, this last year, I, that, I mean, I would be over the moon if they had put out a rescuers last year, (laughs) you know, like if it was the exact same movie and that was the release you know, I just watching it, I'm like, there is no world that this movie is worse than Wish. Like, no world. <laughs> there is no world where this movie is worse yeah. than Strange World. I will fight anyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's a, in comparison, you do kind of see because there's heart in this. There's emotion. There's excitement. There's good things happening. Yeah. Whereas those other films, so many of the other films feel so corporate, feel so bland, feel so um, committee. And, and so it did, I did, I do think I appreciate it still wouldn't be high 
<laughs> would be high on my list. But, uh, <laughs> would would crack be... your top 25. <laughs> no, it would definitely not. But it would certainly be higher than Wish. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> the, the, it, it, we really ought to do, maybe that's what we should do for when we get up to the 100th episode. We should do another another ranking yeah that'd be really great to do another ranking yeah but uh but uh when i do the new ranking i do think that i will the that i think the rescues will be higher and i do think i will have a hunchback higher i think uh just the ambition alone uh even though there are parts of it that i don't really enjoy and i kind of have a bad memory tied to it as well you know from when i first watched it Mm -hmm. in retrospect it's just better than than most of what you know they have been putting uh, out lately yeah oh yeah i mean no question about yeah. that uh it's, it's up it's, it's, it's got it's, a boost and it's ambitious and the music's great for the yeah. most part yep and uh yeah yeah <laughs> so preview there <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh but what was it like for you to see it oh, on the big screen it's again? just the most nostalgic wonderful thing uh you know, because this is a movie that I love very much, and uh, I, I hadn't seen it on the big screen. I probably went to that '89 uh, um, re-release. You know, when you mm-hmm. saw when you, you know, when you saw it for the first time. But you know, I mean, I'm an old man. I I saw that movie as a child in 1977, mm-hmm. and that was a cool summer because that was the summer that the original star Wars came out too. And my parents took me to that mm. and, and the rescuers. So, and you know, I, and I, I was a Disney fan from very early on. I mean, I, you know, my, my, my wonderful parents fed me on a very steady diet of Disney, uh, <laughs> uh, movies and, you know, music and books and Disneyland, and, you know, and all mm-hmm. this stuff. So anyway, uh, seeing, you know, seeing this movie, uh, it made a very positive impact, you know, for me. So, so mm-hmm. just uh, so the, the the nostalgia of it, but I also think it's a very good film. So, yeah, uh, I, I loved being able just to see the the wonderful a- animation, you know, on the big screen. And and again, kudos to Maven Cinemas because uh, both the projection and sound are very good. I think in their yeah. theater, and so it was just it was just a wonderful experience. I loved it. Did you see it in 1983 when it had Mickey's Christmas Carol attached to it? Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Which, yeah, well, cool to see, you know, Mickey's Christmas Carol too back mm-hmm. in the day. Yeah. Yeah. And it was I also kind that. of fun. I mean, this is somewhat unrelated, Rach, but in 1990, when The Rescuers Down Under, you know, was in theaters. Yeah. Well, the that's Prince why and the they. Popper, re- isn't that why they it. re-released it in 1989? Was a precursor. I believe to- so. Yeah, as a precursor to the sequel coming out, as well mm-hmm. as I thought it was fun that they put a Mickey Mouse short. Yeah. Uh, in, in, in front of the rest of oh, under too. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Mm-hmm. That is true. That might have been fun if they had thought of that. Of yeah. Putting it before, yeah exactly. But I guess it, it'd be kind of Pope's Christmas, but. Um, <laughs> right. but- 
Are you a fan of Rachel's reviews? Do you look forward to family movie night, female film critics panels, or the Talking Disney podcast? If so, please consider supporting the podcast by becoming a patron. As a patron, you get to access monthly events such as the watch alongs and Q and A's where you get to talk to stars and find out the behind the scenes of the movie making industry. And you can pick what I review for family movie night or even become a guest on the podcast. Podcasts and YouTube channels are expensive and I really, really could use your help. I would so appreciate it. You also get to be a member of the Facebook group where we talk about all the films that we're seeing and we have so much fun. Go to patreon.com slash hallmarkies and select one of the Rachel's fan tiers. That's patreon.com slash hallmarkies. Uh, and that is one thing I miss about the the re-releases. I mean, they do do, like they just did um, Nightmare Before Christmas and uh, and so they do have sometimes those re-releases, but uh, they and that film, that Disney 100 Film Festival last summer was, that was re- fun, really fun. I thought yeah, I loved it. It was, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and so it was very interesting. I opened up the uh, Wikipedia to uh, to prepare for this, and this is a very high quality Wikipedia um, article on this movie. And I don't Agreed. remember what we covered in the original episode, but since we did both, I none can't of imagine. this. I don't really. I can't we... imagine that we went too deep into it. No, I don't think we talked a lot about this, and I think we were both just kind of disagreeing about the movie <laughs> more more than anything. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's true. My notes, I have more about that than I do about the nuts and bolts of the plot, which is probably what we talked about last time more um but it's very fascinating so it's based on this book a uh, series of books mm-hmm. uh that they they had uh, have you ever Mark- read any of those books i never have i haven't Mark- either and Marjorie I- sharp is yeah. the name of the author and i believe she's british if i'm not mistaken uh, mm-hmm. i could be wrong but yeah but, uh, yeah i think she's a british a british writer and so they start out the 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 first treatment that they have is that it is about a Norwegian poet who's imprisoned. I guess it's based on the first book, uh, and uh, that they had, and it uh, and then it got changed to a treatment about uh, the location got changed to Cuba, and it's uh, Bernard and Bianca rescuing Richard. Uh, then they have Bernard and Bianca rescuing Richard the Lionheart in the Middle Ages. Another treatment, <laughs> which is wild. Which is and, so yeah. <laughs> and I guess the thing got shelved because since it was about this imprisoned poet, uh, in particular it's Cuba. If you think about the 1960s. I mean. Holy cow. Yeah. Uh, and so Disney shelved it. Disney, well, Disney himself, and he disliked the political overtones of it. Uh, yeah, according I, I to had the, no idea about yeah. any of that stuff. It's that so was fascinating. In- it was. Yeah. And you know what's so interesting is that I, for my blind spot series, I just watched JFK for the first time. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. That was a great movie. It's a terrific film. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and I did an episode. We're starting. My friend Manda and I uh, were starting a new little series that we're doing each month, where we're going to do the blind spots together, and we're going to talk oh, about fun. them. So I'm really excited about. It. So we recorded oh, that'll it. That'll be great. And uh, and it was it, it's such a it's such a compelling movie. Like I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I, it's, like what? It's so well done. I, <laughs> it I was the case, like so well. Yeah. 
Yeah, one and, of my uh, favorite Oliver Stone movies for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely the best I've ever seen, and way better than his other uh, political movies that yeah. I've seen. Yeah, but uh, but it just it just was interesting to think about why because when we hear that oh he dismissed it for political things you think oh you know somebody being woke or whatever and and that's not the case when you when you think about that movie and you think about what things how tense things i mean people thought we really were going to be invaded by cuba i mean they yeah. were close to getting invaded by cuba there yeah. was a constant scare that we were going to get attacked by russia um all of that so it makes sense oh absolutely yeah it makes sense why you wouldn't want to to have i mean and also if you think about the fact that that world war ii was just in people's people's rear mirror i mean it really had to only been yeah uh you know less than two decades well and i appreciate too and not trying to like put in you know thoughts into what we think how you know walt disney operated or whatever but uh it you know you, you look at these disney films and they're not political you know right. from, from you know from uh these early these 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 yeah. early films uh and um that i think it yeah they're not that's like, what makes them so classic and also so kind of yeah. so family friendly you know just kind of so universal yeah you can take like a you can take like a really sort of thin definition of political i've heard people make that argument that every movie is political because you know it's about about uh you know certainly you have in in disney movies you have kingdoms and you have betrayals and you have marriages and relations you know like you have things that have politics involved because everything in a certain degree is if you use a thin definition is political but as far as being the outright like saving a political prisoner from cuba yeah. that's like, like a, yeah. big, <laughs> right. a different level <laughs> yeah exactly uh, yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, so what's interesting, too, about this is that it got uh, re-emerged uh, uh, as a project for young animators. Yeah, in the early 1970s, which... Yeah. And led by Don Bluth, mm -hmm. which, and you know, back as we, you know, as we talked about back in mm -hmm. the day, he, there he was at Disney. Have you read his... Did you get to read his book yet? No, I haven't yeah. read it yet. Making a note to myself, like, read Don Bluth's book. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's fun. It's a little cheesy. I have to say he has this conceit of like talking to this, this man in the mirror, like what I would say to him, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a little corny, but, yeah. uh, but it's still, he was there. So yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so they developed this new story of a uh, King P penguin, uh, deceiving a captured polar bear and performing in shows and a schooner and a schooner aboard it sorry the the new story involved a king penguin deceiving a captured polar bear into performing in shows aboard a schooner causing the unsatisfied bear to place a bottle that would reach the mice so that's where it was at this point it was set in the arctic at, at a certain point and uh, and it, which is just fascinating and I guess that was abandoned because they uh, they felt like it was uh, it was too hard to animate the uh, the the Arctic, the colors and everything, and uh, which is interesting. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. This, this is all, the these, all these story iterations, you know, I, <laughs> I wonder whoever wrote this article, like, I wonder where they, I mean, probably maybe just through interviews mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, through some of these artists yeah. or whatever, but the history is so interesting and it continues. It continues. Mm-hmm. I doesn't not mean to interrupt you, Rachel. Thanks. Yeah, for no, it's true. The Arctic setting was too stark a background for the animators. So they brought on in 1977, they inter- they had they hired 25 new artists. Um, this was an initiative set by Ron Miller, and uh, and uh, they that includes Glenn Keane, Ron Clements, and Andy Gaskill. Yeah, and then the and they worked with the Nine Old Men uh, in the uh, this to for this movie with Mark Davis. And Milk Call and Wolfgang Breitherman, obviously. Uh, and uh, so it's it's really interesting. And I think, I don't know if you agree, but I think Ron Miller is underappreciated for his work as the CEO. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways he gets a bad rap. I mean, who could have taken on that role after Walt Disney's passing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, being his son-in-law and whatnot. But I, th- I think... I think he was forward looking and I, I agree with you. I think, I think he was, I think he was trying. He, he took risks doing something like a watcher in the woods and yeah. something w- wicked this way comes doing, I mean, the black hole. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. I appreciate that, that he took risks and he, uh, he tried, he was willing to try different things and, uh, and it seemed like he was pretty good at like nurturing new talent. You think about some of the people uh, Ron and John, Don Bluth, uh, somebody like a Tim Burton, a John Laster, a Brad Bird, you know, like during this kind of a lot of those people kind of got their start in those early in doing uh, um, the uh, uh, Fox and the Hound and some of those other uh, early projects. Yeah, yeah, really good point, Rage. Hey, this is David from the Piecing It Together podcast, a podcast about movies and the movies that inspire them. For over four years, each week, a guest and I take a look at a new movie through the lens of what other movies we think were either an influence or connect in some other way. It's a fun, unique way to discuss films that leads to a great list of other movies to check out that either explore the same themes and ideas or maybe utilize similar filmmaking techniques including special episodes in our side series that twist the format we've done over 200 episodes so there's bound to be one on a film you've been thinking about and want to dig deeper into so check us out on all the major podcasting apps and at piecingpod.com game reitherman decided not to go with fred lucky's version he said it's too complicated i want a simple story a little girl gets kidnapped and the mice try to get her back period and, uh, and so then they had, I guess they held on for a long time. They had Louie the bear as yeah. a character, which is interesting. And then Gus the lion and red Fox. And this was before they even developed, they were before they even had a villain. They had these two uh, anthropomorphic. Well, and that, so, and red Fox is the name, you know, is the actor who was going to voice mm-hmm. the, the lion, right? Yeah. Gus the Lion, I guess, is the name of the, uh, who that they were, and Louis Prima, who, you know, was a popular musician at the time, and also was had a role in the Jungle Book. If I'm not mistaken, he's King Louis in mm-hmm. the Jungle Book. He was the polar bear, anyway. 
Yeah. <laughs> it was like this, these plots that they were, <laughs> the, the, you know, these, all these iterations of this story. Yeah, I guess at one point they were going to have a leader, a singing bullfrog voiced by Phil Harris that yes. was going to be in the film at one point. <laughs> yeah, this Wikipedia article, like, <laughs> what the what? That uh, a pigeon was originally proposed to serve as transportation for Bernard and Bianca until Johnson remembered a True Life Adventures episode that featured albatrosses and their clumsy takeoffs and landings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he then suggested the ungainly bird instead. Which well, is hilarious. Which is hilarious. And, and it totally makes sense. It's almost like they rotoscoped, you know, some of the, uh-huh. those, those landings with the with with the bird. But to me, which I, and this this the only thing that I had that was familiar to me, Rachel, was from this Wikipedia article, was the fact that they were looking at reviving Corella Deville as the villainous. Yes. For this, you know, for the rescuers movie, which I thought was really interesting. Like, oh my goodness, you know. Um, that would have been something, you know. Which I mean, there are definitely recurring... spots where it's very obvious that she's oh. inspired by Deville, especially driving. I was going to say that see what they just reuse that animation <laughs> with her with the car <laughs> that yeah. uh, uh, or she or she went to the same driving school or, or lack mm-hmm. thereof. But yeah, yeah. By it says that they started out thinking of of well, originally they were going to have a, be a villainous uh a baroness this is that uh and that i guess that's this is the villainess and her motive to steal a diamond was adapted from the diamond duchess in miss bianca that's and the book. bianca book okay the setting yeah. was then changed to the bayous found in so- southern united states by 1973 the villainess was named the grand duchess with phyllis diller cast in the role a month later, conceptual artist Ken Anderson began depicting Cruella de Vil, the villainess from 100 Dalmatians, as the main antagonist. Anderson had drawn several sketches of Cruella de Vil sporting alligator leather chic attire and sunglasses. One sketch depicting her wearing bell-bottom pants and platform shoes. Ah, I'm just pretty <laughs> Like, I want to see art. I wish we could go to the, you know. That would be the so animation cool. animation <laughs> research library. They can show us some of this stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. And it says, however, several staff members, such as animator Ollie Johnson, stated it felt wrong to attempt a sequel for the character. Furthermore, Matheson explained that Mick Call did not want to animate Cruella DeVille. Uh, that Milt, of course, was very strong against that. Oh, no, we're not. We're, we're going to have a new character. I'm not going to do Cruella, Madison recalled. Because he felt that Mark Davis had animated Cruella beautifully, he was not going to go and take his character. Which is really interesting that we don't think, I think when you're watching the movies, people that aren't animation junkies don't even think about the fact that there's an animator that animates that individual character. Yeah. That that would be that they would see that kind of ownership for Mark Davis of that character. Yeah, you exactly. Know. And uh, so I, I I just love that background. But the next part of the story, Rachel, is what <laughs> cracks me up with Milt Call, um, how he he based he based the character on his on his then wife. Who soon, who soon became his ex-wife. Yeah, you are. that's not surprising. <laughs> if, if, if Medusa is based on your wife, that's not... <laughs> I, gonna say, I don't oh think God. they had a lot of warm feelings for each other at the time. <laughs> yes. It's pretty and, horrible. And uh, the, the names I was looking for earlier, it's uh, Ollie Johnson, Milk Call, and Frank Thomas. This was the last 
project that the three of them worked on together. Oh, that all three of them worked of on the nine yeah. old men. Yeah. Because I think Ollie Johnson and um, Frank Thomas worked on, ultimately worked on the Fox and the Hound, didn't they? Wasn't that yeah, kind of so. like the, their, their last, like, then they retired. That was like their, their, uh, Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, it just says it, it. It would also mark the last joint effort by Milk Call, Ollie Johnson, and Frank Thomas, yeah. and the first film by Don Bluth, who had worked on as a directing animator instead of an assistant animator. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so yeah, it's 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 just so fascinating because I think sometimes we th- we look at something like The Emperor's New Groove and we think like that was a total mess, and it and it was. But it's really not. Let me look at the number of iterations that this had. Yeah, over, yeah, over so many years. You look at. I mean, practically. I mean, certainly Frozen, of course. Uh, Tangled yes. had huge changes. Uh, yeah. Beauty and the rewrites. Beast. Beauty and the Beauty and the Beast. Humongous changes. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's really not that much of an anomaly. I think the thing with Emperor's New Groove is that it's seemingly like completely changed tone which is a little maybe a little bit unusual yeah but i mean this they were gonna have him be richard the lion <laughs> with this so i don't know right <laughs> even true and and they also with emperor's new groove they had a documentary being made which i think makes a big difference yeah that yeah good point happening. uh-huh but i think it's just such these movies these animated films take so long to make even today they still take so long they are in development and you know yeah story stuff is going on yeah for so long it's just it's a real this is a really interesting process yeah i i remember when i talked to kirk demeco uh, about ruby gilman yeah and uh and his other films that he's worked on the crudes and things like that and and vivo which we talked about not too long ago and and uh, you know people said oh you were just copying <laughs> turning red and he's like we had this we had this uh you know years before it was all in process years before like the the idea that that it was just some kind of copy that's it is ridiculous you know yeah. obviously it's just it's just one of those random weird things that, things where there's some, you know, some real similarities yeah yeah, yeah it's just uh. in the in, in the zeitgeist at the moment for whatever reason mm-hmm. uh, and we've seen that many times uh but yeah i i think that it's i still think that we do get too much medusa i i do think that is a problem with the movie i and and when you watch 101 dalmatians one of the most impressive things about it is just how little of cruella you actually get she is not in the movie that much. Most of the time, the puppies are with Jasper and Horace. Yeah, with Jasper and Horace. And so it's just it's her kind and, of her her influence, right? I mean, yeah. it's like her, her her the R of Corella Deville uh, is there, but not the character itself. Yeah, yeah. And so she can come in and really make an impact and really be chilling. And and I do think with Medusa, we just get too much of her. And she's too outright mean to Penny. And I mean, again, Cruella is not with the puppies hardly at all. And so, I don't know. I just think that, I think she's too mean. Like when she's, when and I know she's a villain. She's supposed to be mean. I get that. But I don't know. I just think they, it's, they overdo it. It's too much. 
in my opinion. And, yeah, uh, I, say, and, and, I, and I, I respectfully disagree, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. You know, when they're like, who would want to adopt you and, and, and stuff like that. And then sending her down to the, to the cave and everything. And, and I, I, I just think that, that maybe they should have had her be Penny be with what's his name. The hunt, the, that guy more, the um snoops snoops more that would have might been more palatable i think and then then medusa come in and make an impact you know would would have been maybe more my choice i also think i do think that penny's a little (laughs) she's a little much sometimes too uh but but she is sweet and and there are some unique things like the fact that they show penny praying I, I can't think of hardly any other Disney yeah, films. Snow White, Snow White praise. Oh, you're right. Yeah, but, but I'm with you. It's 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 a very unusual mm-hmm. uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. And I I do think that the relationship between Bianca and Bernard is very sweet and very fun and like a classic kind of rom commy perspective. So I do like that part between the two of them because she's sort of the princess and he's the every every man that's kind of bumbling and she everything turns out perfectly even though (laughs) even though he's freaking out he's got the anxiety attack and that's what i think yeah i also Uh, think that they do a pretty good job of sort of building the mystery and making like if you were going to sort of introduce your kids to the idea of a mystery. I think this and the great mouse detective would be a pretty good way to introduce them to the beats of like getting the clues and talking to Rufus and, and, uh, and you know, all of that kind of thing that they have to do is, is there. Yeah. I, um, those are such good, such good points, Rachel. And just as a, just as, just as a counterpoint, you're nice to let me, you know, give me a second to, to say this, uh, I find that, you know, the stuff with Medusa and then also just the perilous situation that Penny is in is really what gives the movie its its drama. And mm-hmm. and uh again, I could see how it would be terrifying as a child to see this. I was just a tick older when I saw it. So yeah. I was more even though I'm such a wuss, it was still <laughs> though more exciting for me than it was um, you know, like nightmare inducing, mm-hmm. you know, like like super scary, but but uh and and that uh penny is so ultimately sympathetic i think that's what also um like pulls the heartstrings for me you know so that's mm-hmm. so it's just you know just i guess this is the way it works the stuff that you didn't like is the stuff that made it work um mm-hmm. made it work for me and i did it worked better for me than it had in the past so we're, we're making progress here right <laughs> well no <laughs> no need i mean that's what makes the world go around you know is to have to have, a, have opposing views but yeah uh, yeah uh, but it is definitely very intense when she has to go down in that cave that is a that's an intense scene that mm-hmm. that uh scary very scary uh hole in the ground you know where the water comes up and and uh it was an interesting thing i noticed on this wikipedia page under the picture of penny uh as she's you know got that sword as she's trying to pry open the skull where the devil's eye mm-hmm. is located mm-hmm. in how it says that the filmmakers carefully designed every shot of the scene to raise the tension and i thought that they were successful 
you yeah. know, because that there, there's there's some really serious uh, tension, particularly in that sequence, more so than in the mm-hmm. other ones where she's like trying to run away. Yeah, you know, those are those are a little intense, but almost more um, mm-hmm. kind of comic comedic in a way you know i mean just with the alligators and yeah it's a little bit silly yeah one thing i think that the 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 sequel does a little bit better because she because penny is surrounded in that pen with the other other inmates the other animals um i mean the not penny cody um, cody and yeah because cody is surrounded and so it's more I don't know. To me, it's just a little bit more palatable. Um, and there's like a little bit of humor and it's just a little like tonally, I think a little bit better, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, I can, I can see the, the uh, alternative point. Like it's definitely less of a mystery though, that, that second one. Right. There's less like clues and less like, right. Where this is, you're just trying to figure out what's, you know, we kind of get, we're getting pieces of, of uh, of the and then when we finally you know find out about this yeah. diamond the diamond and all yeah all this yeah. yeah they're like really putting the clues together where in the in uh rescuers down under they really don't it's really not like that they're not like hearing from rufus they're not like you know it, it's just that's true it's more just difference. like a procedural right i mean or like they're just like they're yeah, just trying really, to get, yeah trying to get to the place to get cody right yeah. yeah yeah they're more just trying to get there and uh and i i did i do think that he, even rude is a lot of fun it's a little dragonfly i love even rude and and the sound effects are so great with him it was interesting to read in the wikipedia article you know that they they brought in jimmy mcdonald who uh is just the classic sound guy you know from mm-hmm. the studios for decades to 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 work on the film and and there's it's so much fun yeah definitely and then they have luke and ellie may and it's kind of funny because this was the era of disney films where they love characters getting drunk that was like the big thing <laughs> i know right <laughs> i feel like you almost never see that anymore this time it was practically every movie there was a character yeah sleeping beauty and, and that moonshine <laughs> too. I love what, and, what it does to their eyes you know yeah and yeah and, and um the the uh what's the one in make my music with the um uh the where they get all the um Hatfields and McCoys oh the Hatfields you know, and McCoys yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, there's tons they just love getting Characters drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's what they do with this guy. He's got this super strong moonshine. And, uh, and you would think that, you know, they could make a, or even they could make a, uh, uh, a nice cocktail down in, (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) With it. Speaking of Disneyland, I didn't know this. I don't know if you knew this. But in uh, in uh, this research, I found out that uh, that I guess uh, Bernard and Bianca are going to be part of the new Tiana's. Uh, yeah, I was like, who got that scoop? You know, Tiana, <laughs> Tiana's, Tiana's Bayou, Bayou Adventure. Adventure. That they're you know if they're gonna just have I just I just wonder if it's gonna be like a little Easter egg or something. You know, that Bernard and Bianca are gonna be hanging out 
in one yeah. of those scenes there I in know, the bayou. It'd be fun. It says it says that uh, in 2024, both characters are set to appear as figures in the upcoming Tiana's Bayou Adventure ride based on the 2009 uh, film Princess and the Frog in Critter Country at Disneyland and Frontierland in Disney World. <laughs> So that's going to be fun to see. I, I hope that's true. You know, yeah. wherever they, wherever they uh, document, you know, uh-huh. got that scoop. I, I hope it's true. Like it would be really fun. I, uh, if, if it was more than just the, uh, more than just Bernard Bianca, but if there was even Drude and, and uh, some of the other characters, some of those cute little, you know, critters from the Bayou. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it's from the Disney Parks blog, and uh, on well, yeah, that that that's the reference that's that they the have. That's the reference, and I just you know, mm-hmm. if if uh, if that's something that they revealed in there, how cool? Because I had you heard that? I hadn't heard that. No. People on Twitter were like, "We all knew that." I'm like, "Okay, sorry." I didn't know. I I didn't know that. So clearly, I'm out, I'm out of out of it. <laughs> Me too. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not an expert on the parks. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Are you looking for that perfect gift for the postable, hardy, or Hallmarkie in your life? What about getting that t-shirt or hoodie that will help you stand out at your next holiday party? Now is the time to check out the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Full of festive designs by artists like Jessica Miller, Carrie from Hallmark Comics, and more. You can even have more than just shirts, but totes, cell phone cases, notebooks, mugs, and more. And it isn't just Hallmark. We have designs for Anna Green Gables, Man from Snowy River, The Nanny, and more. Every purchase at the merch store goes to help support the podcast and allows us to make the great content you know and love. There are frequent sales, so go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies or see the link in the description. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but the the... The once they get past most of my issues with the movie, kind of stop with the cave. Once it gets because it clips along pretty well uh, after that, and uh, and the chasing and the races and the the like basically water skiing that kind of goes yeah, and and they end up in the end, Medusa gets captured and Penny gets saved and and so I I I think it's it's really just that like. Medusa on the boat and then through to the cave that's not for me. Mm-hmm. But um but I did really appreciate the like I said the mystery leading up to it and the clues uh and also I think Orville is a nice uh comic relief. Orville is so great. And I mm-hmm. and I I love the animation with with Orville. Mm-hmm. I, I love the whole takeoff from, you know, the top of the the building that where they are in New York City and uh, flying, you know, uh, that that whole uh, flying sequence I think is is, is delightful. Yeah, and, yeah, it really is a lot of fun. And they got, I guess, they got Jim Jordan out of retirement, uh, and uh, and so they that he was eighty years old. And he is in retirement and had not performed since the death of his wife and comic partner in 1961. Uh, it would serve as Jordan's last public performance. And then, of course, they had John Candy in the in the sequel. Yeah. And 
and I think the music is a real standout in this movie too that I was reminded uh-huh. of seeing it again at the wonderful Maven Cinemas. Uh, I think that the background music is terrific, but uh, mm. I also like the songs, and you know the songs are kind of like. Um, I guess like Tarzan or something in a way, right? They have that just the one singer for the most oh, part. Right. Mm-hmm. And and it's just it's not um the characters aren't singing. You know, it's it's uh part of the song is part of the narrative. Yeah. It it says that the uh yeah, that it, it was a soundtrack, so it had various uh artists involved and uh, Sammy Fain was first hired as a lyricist and wrote the two original songs, Swamp Volunteers March and the Rescue Aid Society. Meanwhile, the filmmakers had listened to an unproduced musical composed by the songwriting team of Carol Connors and Ann Robbins. Both women had first met each other in 1973 on a double date. Before then, Connors had composed and sang successful songs such as To Know Him Is To Love Him and Hey Little Cobra. <laughs> with the teddy bears meanwhile robbins worked as a personal secretary to actors george kennedy ava gabor so the two of them worked on it for they composed tomorrow is another day uh, to accompany this the scene and the journey uh to play along the opening yeah, titles the opening credit, which yeah, i do opening. love those those opening yeah. titles audio too uh, the art and everything yeah it's really well, yeah really great it was artist Mel Shaw was illustrated the pastel sketches to accompany the music. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and so then they, uh, um, so then Sammy Fain wrote someone's waiting for you. And, uh, and so it says, I love that. Yeah. that always makes me tear up a little bit. And that says they got, and then they had Shelby Flint who performed uh, the songs. So yeah. uh, she did the journey. Tomorrow's another day. Someone's waiting for you. Uh, and, uh, and then I think they were nominated for best original song. So they were nominated for someone's waiting for you. Okay. Yeah. Sammy Fain, Carol Connors and Ann Robbins. Okay. And the uh, I've never heard of this. You light, you light up my life. With by dead Joseph by Brooks. dead. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I remember that song. <laughs> no, it was, it was... The movie's called "You Light Up My Life," I guess, and yeah. the song is "You Light Up My Life." And this, and it was sung, if I'm not mistaken, by a singer named Debbie Boone. Oh yeah, yes, Pat, Bo- it was. Pat Boone's daughter. Yeah. It's a cover it was... by Debbie Boone, the daughter of Pat Boone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I tell you, interesting. This I probably got this out, but it's very interesting. The um that doc. I don't know if you saw that there was this documentary about Little Richard. And oh yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and yeah. it was. I don't know was, anything about it other than that it exists. Yeah, and it was fascinating and. Uh, they the number of his songs that then got misappropriated by white artists, uh, like to, even Tutti Fruity that we think of with him, that that was a big hit by Pat Boone, and they have him on there, um, uh, on the documentary talking about it and trying to kind of defend it, and and uh, that he that Little Richard got almost no compensation for any of that for songs being used. It was 
Interesting. It was very interesting and sad. You felt, oh, yeah. And I guess that he was pretty bitter by the time uh, uh, in the latter part of his life, he was pretty bitter and was like, well, yeah. Yes. Have you been treated Seriously. this way? It's understandable. Oh, anyway, it was a pretty interesting documentary. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, the, the music, it's very 70s. It's very Carpenter. It is. It's it, totally 70s. Yeah. <laughs> It feels like it could it could as just as well be Karen Carpenter, I think, singing it. Oh yeah, I think she's very much from the school of Karen Carpenter. Mm, yeah, <laughs> or like Shall a Captain playing? and Tennille. I yeah, that too. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and so it's got that, and and there is also the sort of scandal, I guess. That... <laughs> Which I had forgotten about. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah. I remember that. <laughs> yes. So in 1999, three days after the film's second release on home video, the Walt Disney Company announced a recall of about 3.4 million copies of the videotapes because there was a blurry image of a topless woman in the background scene. The image appears twice in non-consecutive frames during the scene in which Miss Bianca and Bernard are flying on that scene. Back. I just called that. I'm just, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I was, I was looking at the Maven. I didn't see it. Did you see it? No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that the print that, you know, that they got from Disney, it's, it's been pulled. Yes. It was a lovely digital print, you know, it was, and, yeah. But they, you know, when they show at the Maven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty blurry anyway. But I thought, oh, oh you know, if I yeah. was going to see it, you probably would see it on the big screen. But it but says I'm... that the the two images could not be seen in ordinary viewing because the film runs too fast at yeah. 24 frames per second. Yeah, you'd have to have, the, as I recall, you'd have to have the home video that you could pause, right? You know, to get the actual mm-hmm. spot. But yeah. Yeah, the Disney spokesman said that the images in the rescuers were placed in the film during post-production, but she declined to say what they were or who placed them. The company said the aim of the recall was to keep its promise to families that they can trust and rely on the Disney brand to provide the best in family entertainment. <laughs> Back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day. Those were the days. Yeah. <laughs> so... But yeah, there's the movie, and it for a long time this was the only Disney movie to have a sequel, unless yeah, you consider anthology package films. Yeah, know, yeah, that was interesting. You know, it was such an unusual move when when Disney announced that you know under their under the Michael Eisner uh, management, yeah, era, um, <laughs> to do that, and you know, I think we've talked about it. The rescuers down under is. I, I think we both could agree that it's it's really a, a good film, and I think yeah. so. I recall you and our, and our buddy Darren, uh, you know, like like it much more than the original, <laughs> right? I yes, was, I do. Uh, I do like it much more. I think it's a little bit less mean spirited. It's a little bit more, um, even though even though McLeach, right? McLeach, he's terrible, but you just get less of him. He's in the movie less, so it's more palatable to me, and uh, and uh, it just has more humor. It's funnier, uh, but um, but this is it was it was it it got a bump, 
So we can we can thank Maven and then also uh, the the more the more recent output yes. from uh, Walt Disney Animation Studios, yes. which has not been great. So congratulations, the rescuers! You have gotten a bump, <laughs> <laughs> and it's still right up there for me. I, uh, I nothing was changed other than just the joy of getting to see it again. Yeah. Uh, and Maven is saying that they might bring the rescuers down under. You know, we I know I think after uh, Yeah, he was saying that I guess that one was a little bit difficult for some reason. And yeah. that it's surprising the ones that get pushed back on. Yeah. And then we I guess were talking them, I think, after Beauty and the Beast that we, you know, yeah. we got to see together. Yeah. Because uh, I guess it just depends on if uh, there's any kind of other re-releases or what's going on or new, you know, new uh they could be having like a new version on Disney plus or, you know, we just things like weird things like that that we didn't even think of could impact uh, the, and maybe who knows if they're going to be on Tiana's Bayou, maybe they will, maybe they will some kind of <laughs> re-release so or something. I'm going to go find that blog, <laughs> blog post out of the Disney parks blog. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that should be, that should be fun. So, there we go. And I guess they were saying that the alligators in this, uh, some of my friends on Twitter were saying the alligators were sort of inspiration for the alligator in Princess and the Frog. So oh, maybe okay. that's part of it. Yeah, maybe interesting. Maybe, maybe they'll be that. hanging out with <laughs> <laughs> Bernard and Bianca. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Twitter. And uh, I said, what do we think of the rescuers? And Becky says, I loved it as a kid. My children didn't like it at all. So they <laughs> that but yeah. they but they love rescuers down under and and i i mean i could they are really different they're i mean rescuers down under is just a lot sillier yeah yeah it's just a lot sillier um tamara kent says i adored it i thought that the sequel is awesome too and then chauncey tells says, good movie down under is superior <laughs> <laughs> so uh <laughs> we'll keep You'll keep fighting the fight for the rescuers. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just, I'm just so grateful to to Maven Cinemas for showing it on the big screen. That was such yeah. a gift. It was really fun. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I love this movie. One, this final note, I thought it was very interesting, and, I, and I'm not trying to prove my point, Rachel, or anything. I just, <laughs> I didn't realize though that it had quite a positive critical, um, yeah, and reception. Walton's big fan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and not you know not every critic just just loved it but you know yeah, it's true. Uh, that that was interesting and then um i still hold to the to the to the fact that uh both frank thomas and ollie johnson stated on their on their joint website that mm-hmm. the resters um had been their return to a film with heart and they considered it the best for their best film without Aww. without walt disney oh that's and, cute. that's good and i i, I agree you know, mm-hmm. I mean, well, I, I like, well, you know, I enjoy the Aristocats and I think Robin Hood's a delight, you know, and all mm-hmm. the other ones. But yeah, I just felt like with the rescuers that that movie really had mm-hmm. had heart, had heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in, my, in, in, in my estimation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I also forgot to mention that I met Ava Gabor. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> you I told met- me this story. <laughs> I that it. I, it, when the new movie was coming out, 
I was in uh, Anaheim for uh, a my my cousin. It was my special ten year trip that my grandma would take us on. It was just before my tenth birthday. It was the next month, and uh, and my cousin uh, was in this choir that was performing all around. So that was kind of uh, roped into my ten year trip. And uh, and it's the same trip that I saw uh, that I saw Home Alone with my grandparents. Oh my goodness! Very memorable. And we wow. went to we went all over. Went to Knott's Berry Farm. We went to, of course, Disneyland. My cousin was performing in these choirs, and and uh, we went to the Beverly Hills Hilton, you know, hotel, huge hotel, and she performed there. And uh, I was there, and Ava Gabor steps out of the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and I, I remember I, I got to shake her hand. And, oh, this is Miss Gabor. Oh my <laughs> goodness! Gabor. I so, love that. Yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> so what there we trip. go. Yeah, it was a great trip. Wow. <laughs> so let us know what you think of the rescuers. We would love to hear your thoughts in the comment section or on Twitter. You can find us at Disney Talking on Twitter. And uh, Stanford, where can people find you? I have a movie podcast and a website at moviespastandpresent.com. Great. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews all over social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So check that out. We just did, me and Darren uh, just did a preview of 2024 animation. I know. I'm so excited to hear it. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. So check that out. And also check out the Hallmarkies podcast. Got lots of exciting stuff. They're doing Jane Austen month over <laughs> in the Hallmark channel. So it's pretty fun. And let's take a look at that. And uh, and if you are listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. That really helps us out right now because there was this thing on that there was this new update to the uh, iPhones that like ruined everybody's subscriptions for uh for podcasts and it lowered like across the board everybody's numbers took a hit this month so if you like a podcast please put in your reviews and scores because we really need it right now (laughs) please help help your struggling podcast uh and i would be very grateful and also if you are listening on i i mean and also if you're listening on youtube Please give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We'd really appreciate that. And you can see our playlist of all of our Talking Disney episodes. And it's pretty fun. And uh, check out our patron group. That's a, a lot of fun. And the merch store where you can get hashtag animation junkie shirts. And I'm an animation girl. You can get that. So take a look at that. And uh, thanks so much, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>